part of the, oops, to knock the page off the thing here. My name is Robbie Collins, if you don't, don't know who I am. I am the chairman of the Pastor Search Committee, and I just wanted to kind of give you guys an update. been some questions about what's been going on and, and um, where we are in the process and how that is going. And I would like to apologize to you guys because I haven't um, given enough of an update so far. I think one of the things that we've been so focused on recently was looking at candidates and praying about candidates and seeing what it is that God is wanting to do here through this process that we've been kind of nose to the grindstone type of thing. So I've given updates before, but a lot of those updates sounded like this. We're in the process of looking for a pastor. Please pray for us. And that was about it. And you heard from, from the hearts of some of the members, and they shared with you about the process and the team and how things are going. But today we'd like to kind of give a better understanding about how the process is going to play out. First of all, let me tell you, we started uh, our, our team had the first meeting on January 12th of this year, which was about six months ago. We met with Ken May from the Montgomery Baptist Association and a few of the elders from here at Gateway. The charge to us was to find the next pastor. That's what our role is here, is to seek the Lord and to find out who it is that he is calling to be our next pastor. Obviously, that is not a small thing to do. It's not something that we take lightly at all. So we needed help in trying to figure out how we go about doing that. How does that process play out? So, Ken May gave us a manual that was pretty thick that had a 10-step process to it that he laid out for us that he recommended that we go through. This 10-step process has a timeline of about 12 months. Um, and one of the things that he said was, this is just a guideline for you to follow. This is a guideline for you to go by. Seek the Lord. Pray to Him. Find out exactly how your congregation uses this outline in this process to follow through with um, finding the next pastor. So that's what we've been doing. We've been following this, this um, process that he laid out for us. We've been seeking the Lord, praying, asking for leadership and guidance from the Lord. And um, one of the first phases of that included gathering information. You guys were a big part of that. We um, asked for your input into what you would like as a, as a senior pastor. We've gathered that information. We've gathered information about the church history, which we already have had in the past because we've, we've done this before. Gathered information about the, the demographics of the area to get an understanding of who we are in this, how, how we fit into this community. And then we got to the point to where we put out a um, offering on the web for at various sites to let people know that we were looking for a pastor. So in that process, we ended up with 167 candidates for pastor. So when I talk about nose to the grindstone and asking for prayer and, and all of those things, that's where we've been for the past few months is digging into those candidates, trying to get to the one that the Lord has for us. And that is our goal. That is our goal is to come to the one that we are first to contact, the one that we are first to begin this conversation about being a pastor here at Gateway. Does that mean that that is the pastor for Gateway? 
but only the Lord really knows that. So that's that's where we've been. This is kind of the next phase is beginning to figure out exactly. We've got it narrowed down to a few, I will say. Out of 167, we're down to a few. It doesn't really matter right now the number because we're really looking for the one next that we're going to, to contact. So phase two of this process is um, beginning to get to know um, the candidate once we realize who this is. So what does that look like? We have an initial meeting with them. We have interviews with them. We talk with maybe him and his family, if he has a family. Um, multiple in-depth interviews, um, helping him know our church facilities and all those things I mentioned to you that we kind of gathered before to understand who we are as a body, the makeup of our body, to give them as much information as possible to um, understand who we are and, and what we might be asking him to, to become a part of. One of the things that we'll, we'll continue to do if that process goes far enough, we'll start doing background checks. We'll start doing other checks of references and different things in this whole process of this phase to kind of get to the point of, is this really a good fit for Gateway? Does he feel like it's a good fit for Gateway? Or does it feel like a good fit for him? Or do we feel like he's a good fit for us? That, that process is going to take some time to understand and to figure out. And that, that is our goal, is that um, we will come to that point to where we have that one man that we believe fits in. He believes it. He believes the Lord is calling him. We believe the Lord is calling him. And at that point, we began to present him to Gateway. And, and that part of the process is a part of where we let you know about this person, about who he is, what he believes, about what... Um, qualities we think fit good with Gateway. Uh, you'll get an opportunity to hear from him. We'll, he's going to meet with the elders. He'll meet with the staff. Maybe have a meet and greet, uh, a dinner, get to know you dinner type of thing. We don't know all the details of this, but these are some ideas that, that are, are possibilities that we'll follow through with. And then at some point we would, if, if he continues through that process, and we continue with him in that process. We would invite him to obviously come up here and preach a sermon and to bring God's word to us and to share from his heart and the process that he's going through what he feels like Gateway um, needs as he brings that message to us. So that's, that's the, the last, I guess, phase of that process. And then the, the last thing is that we would you know, come to a vote. Is this the guy? that you believe is the one that is called to be our next pastor. And that's a vote that you guys are going to have the opportunity to, to take. And then any point in this that that breaks down, we go back to whatever phase that we need to go back to to begin this process again with, with someone else. So we are, we are in this for you guys. It's a nine-member team. Um, we love you guys very much. We're committed to this process for you. And uh, I would just ask you and continue to ask you to pray for us. Um, not only pray for us, but pray for you also. We're we are here serving you. Pray that your hearts are ready for this next pastor. Also, pray for this next pastor. He's, he's a pastor for a reason, and he is in a congregation already, most likely, Pray for him. Pray for his congregation. Pray for him, what he might be going through next. Pray for him as he considers coming here, that he would hear from the Lord. 
We need to bathe this thing in prayer. It is critical that we do that. And we're going to have some opportunities for more corporate prayer, prayer like was said before, like we've said many times, Sunday mornings at 8 a.m. We meet over in the new building for prayer. We're going to try to set up some Wednesday nights. I've got some ideas on some dates that we've come up with as a team. I'm going to hold off on that just for a second until I can talk with um, the church just to make sure that we can do that. But we'll send an email out, hopefully earlier this week, that kind of lays this out also. The problem with communicating on a Sunday morning, some people may not be here, so we want to make sure that this gets out and, and that we're all on the same page. All that being said, I would like to be able to pray for just a second before CJ comes up. Dear Lord God, we, we just stand before you here today humbly knowing that this is all about you, that this is your church. Gateway Baptist Church is yours. You know exactly what it is that we need, and you know the plans that you have for us. And we entrust that to you. We know that that, that is who you are and what you're at work doing. And we just submit ourselves underneath your leading and your guiding. And Lord, it doesn't surprise you that we are looking for a senior pastor. And, Lord, we know that you are going to lead this body to that one man that you have prepared to come here and to be our senior pastor. We beg of you. We plead with you. We are desperate for you to bring that man to us and to show us who that man is. And we just continue to look to you to lead and guide us as a body and as a team and we ask you to lead this, this man, that you would begin working in his heart and showing him exactly what it is that you've called him to so that it will be no question in his mind that you have something here at Gateway for him. So we entrust that to you, Lord. We know that you're at work doing that, and we just thank you for all and everything. And again, we just confess that we are desperate for you in Jesus' name. Um, as he's going down, if whoever's here and you're a part of the pastoral search community, could you please stand? Just really quick. Come on, if you're on the team, I want to recognize these individuals who are taking the time and their families and their hard work, and I want to honor you guys and say thank you very much. Um, we felt as leadership that we really needed, we wanted Robbie to do this and take a little time, and, and I do know what time it is, and y'all guys, oh goodness, given CJ. 11.15 to get started, but I'm going to respect that, and, but I really, we felt like it was really needed, and uh, to give extra time for that, and I'm going to put a stopwatch on just to say I'm going to try to honor you guys, but um, also with what uh, Drew said, I would like, because some are on vacation, so if you're an elder of this church, please stand, if you're in here and you're an elder, okay, Robbie and William and Bill and Seth and Ira, Jeremy, he's with the kids, okay. Um, some of you are new, some are regular attenders, but this is your shepherds. These are your shepherds. A lot of times I've been a part of this and I've had people go, who are our elders? <laughs> who do I? You know, Drew mentioned they come to the elders for questions or discussion. And these are the men that God has called that you have affirmed to love you, to serve you, to protect you, to get dirty with you, to get in the trenches with you. These men are here to serve and love you to hell and back. Okay? So I want you to look at them. This is them. These are your shepherds to guide and direct and lead and teach. And so I just wanted to recognize them. And say, man, thank you for your work and your service, but I wanted you guys physically to see them. So um, that's what they're here for. And uh, Drew and I are, as youth pastor in my position as associate, we're on the pastoral leadership team. But these 
are the men that you have called as elders to uh, be a part of what God's doing here and to lead and guide and direct this, this body. So, well, guys, half the sermon's already been prayed. I just love how God does this and how the Holy Spirit moves. I want you guys to know every man that gets behind this pulpit, we know the weight, okay, of what, how important it is to be up here, to encourage you, to share with you, to teach God's word, to understand the weight of us being declarations of encouragement and exhortation. And so for weeks we've been blessed with some incredible men of God who can bring the word and teach. Do you guys agree with that? I mean, we have really been blessed. Amen. We have, and I've been a part of a lot of churches. I've talked to other pastors and leaders like, how are you guys doing this? And I'm like, we've got just this list. And he's like, what? I'm like, and, and the Lord is bringing it every week through these men. And we're not missing a beat. God is moving. God is active. And he's working here. So we know the weight of this. And so the past few weeks, when I come to prayer, I just like, Lord, I'm listening to the other guy's sermons. Are you saying something? Should I tail in one of them or come off of one of them? And, and guys, as we know as a nation, as a world, there's some things happening, and I cannot get this off me. And it's, it's for whatever reason, when I come back up here every few weeks or months, it's kind of almost the same thing, but just to bring this sense. And, and Ashley started it with her prayer, and then Seth reiterated with his prayer. There's been a common thread even through the songs. But, guys, we are at a sense of urgency. And we have got to see this as the body of Christ and as the kingdom people. And we are in a position, I want you to go to Matthew 24. Due to the time, I've got maybe three passages I want to read. We're not going to have them on the screen because they're fairly lengthy passages. And I just want us to dig in and just read and let the word soak in us. I want you to hear more of the word than me. But I really want you to hear that word urgency and kingdom. It was declared kingdom, kingdom, kingdom all this morning in so many different ways. Very familiar passage in Matthew 24. Things are happening. Things are on the move even here. And I love how God is orchestrating for us as gateway. He's positioning us in this time frame. None of this is an accident. None of this is off kilter. God is, and I'm not, I think I have a little liberty to do this. We know the scripture in Proverbs that says, man plans his ways, but God what? Orders his steps. Well, I've been around a lot of bodies where I can probably insert because the church is made up of men that sometimes the church plans its ways, <laughs> And sometimes but we know God is what? God is ordering our steps here. He really is. And that's a comfort to all of us in this pastoral search team. That is their goal, is that God would order things. And that is the heart of this leadership team as well. But Matthew 24, verse 3, I want us to hear where we are and what's going on right now as a reminder and what was declared 2,000 years ago. As he was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples, in verse 3 of chapter 24 of Matthew, Jesus, uh, the disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us, when will these things happen, and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus said to them, See to it that no one misleads you. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will mislead many. Guys, that's happened. You will be hearing of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not frightened, for these things must take place, but that is not yet the end. Very familiar. For nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. In various places there will be famines and earthquakes. But all these things are merely the beginning of the birth pains. Then they will deliver you for tribu- to tribulation and will kill you, and you will be hated by all the nations because of my name. Now granted, I know at that moment Jesus is telling his disciples that may be happening to you very soon prophetically. But there is no doubt God is prophetically declaring through Jesus that this is coming one day with the people that follow me and bear my name, and we've seen martyrs for thousands of years. Have we not? Amen? This is prophetic. It has happened, and it will continue to happen, just even recently. At the time, many will fall away and will betray one another and hate one another. 
Many false prophets will arise and will mislead many. Because lawlessness has increased, most people's love will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end, he will be saved. Key verse 14. But this gospel of the kingdom, gospel of the kingdom, shall be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all the nations, and then the end will come. This gospel of the kingdom is key. And the reason this is so important is in Revelation. Don't have to go there. I'm going to read these two very quickly. Revelations 5, 9 says, Worthy are you to take the book and to break its seals, for you were slain and purchased for God with your blood men from every tribe, tongue, people, and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to our God, and they will reign upon the earth. And the reason that is significant, that Jesus bought with his shed blood every tribe, every nation, people from tongues and nations, is because of Revelation 7, 9, because it's God's heart and his desire that at the end, for his honor and glory, verse 9 of chapter 7, after these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude, which no one could count, from every nation, every tribe, all peoples and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, and palm branches were in their hands, And they cry out with a loud voice saying, salvation to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. That's the end result of what, why he came, what we're here for, why we're sitting in these chairs. That the gospel of the kingdom will be preached to the nations. And who does not want Revelations 5 or any of these to take place? There's an entity that 24-7 is at work for that not to happen. Who is that? Satan. There are forces at work every second of the day for that not to take place. And guys, we're right in the middle of some of that. um, There was a picture that was put on social media through one of the Fox or one of the news networks. You guys put this up. That was very striking to me. I want you guys to look at that. That's unbelievable. That many parts of the world, that many nations impacted in just a little over 30 days. There's what we just read. Who's at work? Right there. Forces of darkness at work to bring destruction and pain and chaos to do everything he can as the enemy to thwart the kingdom, to do anything he can to take as many with him to hell because he knows the end result, does he not? He knows the word. He knows he's defeated. He knows he's conquered. So this is what he's at work doing. And, and what's not even showing up there is what we've experienced even beyond Dallas on the July 7th, but the struggles in Minnesota and Baton Rouge and these other places that people, again, families are being hurt and broken and despair and pain and fear. This is what he's doing. And guys, when you look at that, my desire, my hope, because when I saw this, we're laying in bed, we go through some things, praying, Nikki and I, and she popped this up and said, oh my gosh, look at this, DJ, and something just happened. I don't look at that based on being a man. I don't look at that based on being a white guy, an ethnicity of Italian. I don't look at that based on a political party or being an American. That needs to have an impact on CJ being a citizen of the kingdom of God. That's how we view that map. That's how we have to view this. That's how we have to approach what's been going on. Guys, you can take it off. Thank you. And that's what Seth prayed. That's what Ashley was getting to. We have to approach these last few days, these last few weeks, what we just read in Matthew 24, which has been going on for centuries, but have we not seen it has been what? Amping up all along. The enemy is amping. It's amping. But we have to see it properly. We have to come in and look at this from a kingdom perspective and a kingdom view 
Because, guys, guess what? How many of you in here probably experienced the past few weeks, family member, friend, co-worker, fellow teenager, colleague, have asked, what's going on in this world? Things are happening. How do we respond to this? Not just beyond even the political system we're dealing with right now in our nation. But did that, if you looked at that map, my brother had passed away in 1993. If he came here 2016, all these years later, and we plopped him there, and the first thing he saw was that map, how do you think he would feel? Dear God, where are you? <laughs> What's going on? Where's, where's the church? Where's prayer? What, how is that happening on this earth? If someone just plopped up this, uh, somebody into 2016. And we, as the body of Christ, as followers of Jesus Christ, we are the only ones on this planet that have the answer to that. Do you guys agree? Do you see that? There is no one else. There's no other ideology. There's no other philosophy. There's no other belief system or principle or a party or anybody else or a person that has the answer for that map and all the despair and shame. Jan brought it up this morning. I loved it in our prayer time. Her prayer kicking out. I'm like, here we go, because it started with her. Then it went to Ashley. Then it went to Seth about what's going on right now. And she prayed out. There's people that have come to her that are shaken. Believers. How many of you have been shaken over the past couple of weeks? If you haven't been, I'm sorry, you're not human, or I would talk to you about your salvation. Seriously. If there's not something going on in us that's compelling us or moving us based on what's been going on the past few weeks, then we need to have a chat. And that's what we're here for in the leadership. We have to see this in Jesus' eyes. In his heart, in his perspective. Because there is no one else that's going to except us. And it's a privilege. What I'm saying, there's no condemnation here. Look at what we've been called to, saints. This is ex- exciting in a sense that we have an opportunity to come in and reveal the glory of God and to bring hope and purpose. And this gospel of the kingdom that we just said, it's not hard to understand. Because some people may say, as Christians, How do we respond? What do we do? Gospel of the kingdom, the good news of the kingdom. Gospel is the good news. Kingdom is very simple when you break it down. If there's a kingdom, there has to be what? A king. We sang about him a second ago. And a king has governance and authority and power over that kingdom. And us being a part of that and how Jesus is in that position is because of the bondage of sin, because of our immorality and iniquity started with Adam and Eve that we inherited. We were separated from God, and we needed a Savior. We needed a king to come in and save us and rescue us because of our sin and being bound in it. And Jesus came to do that. Jesus came to live that perfect life, to be that slain lamb that we just read about in Revelation, to take the full wrath of God upon himself for CJ to atone for my sins, to bear the brunt of death that I deserve. And out of that, and we just sang it again. Did y'all notice the progression of those songs this morning? I hope you guys come in each week now going, okay, we're going to sing a few songs. I can raise a hand here or clap a couple times. But the Holy Spirit leads Ashley. He does. And these songs had a progression of a sermon in and of itself. We're singing how we are set free. Oh, 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 which I couldn't do that very well. <laughs> but we are. Think about this. We are set free. It's on our board out there. I put that up three weeks ago. I just said, Lord, what do we put up there? I just heard Jesus set us free. And then he brought the message Right after I put the board up, Greg brought a great message of being set free from addictions and sin and, and strongholds. Do y'all remember that? I put the board up before I ever knew what he was going to preach. I didn't have a chance to say that yet. God's at work. He's revealing himself. 
So when Ashley brings the songs, I'm set free, and then it leads into God of this city. Well, how are we going to be hope to the hopeless, light to the darkness, and bring peace to the restless unless what? We're set free. There's no way that's going to happen for us to be the conduit of God, his hands and feet and mouthpiece, without being free and allowing the Holy Spirit to use us and guide us. And then out of that, the only way there's hope and peace and light is through the resurrection power of Jesus Christ, which came through that last song. Guys, the songs mean something here. It's as much of a part of this as anything else. This is just the add-on, like icing on the cake, per se. So thank you again for being sensitive. But guys, my heart with this is, kingdom has a king. The citizenship, we're in it. If you're here this morning and you do not have saving faith in Jesus Christ, there is a gospel of the kingdom for you today. There is hope for you today, peace for you today. He's wanting you to come and be a part of his family, of his kingdom. Come talk to me after. Is there any of these men that stood up? We desire you to know your king intimately. The kingdom is amazing. It's precious. It's intimate. It's personal. But the key to this is he calls the shots, right? He's Lord. He's master. He's king. He governs everything, and he has asked things of us and asked things that are required of us, how we live in this kingdom and how we display this kingdom. And after seeing that map, guys, we continue to have opportunity. We have an opportunity to continue to display that. Go to Deuteronomy chapter 10. i got two more passages I just want to read and then bring this together through this. Deuteronomy chapter 10, Old Testament, and I'm going to show a New Testament. Deuteronomy 10, verse 12. Please, I hope you get energized as these prayers have been saying of what, again, the amazing opportunity we have for such a time as this, as the church. This gospel of the kingdom, which is the reign and rule of God. If you ever hear kingdom, 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 it's the reign and rule of God. When Jesus conquered death, hell and the grave, when he was resurrected, and then days later he ascended. And where is he right now positionally? Seated at the right hand of the Father, ruling and reigning. He's doing his thing as king. And that's this gospel of the kingdom that we've been called to, we're joining in with, and that we have the privilege of being a part of and declaring and living out. Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 12. This is right after Moses re-God put the tablets back in order after they were broken, and now he's about to declare something over the nation of Israel after their rebellion and just declare who he is and what he expects of them. Verse 12, now Israel, what does the Lord your God require from you? Now listen to what he says, guys. This is right to us. What does the Lord require of citizens of his kingdom and people of Gateway? To fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to love him and to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and to keep the Lord's commandments and his statutes, which I am commanding you today for your good. Behold, to the Lord your God belong heaven and the highest heavens, the earth and all that is in it. That's some kingdom rule right there, amen? He just declared, I'm in charge. Verse 15, yet on your fathers did the Lord set his affection to love them, and he chose their descendants after them. Even you above all peoples as it is this day. Circumcise then your heart, stiffen your neck no more. Listen to this declaration of kingdom. For the Lord your God is God of gods. And he is Lord of lords, the great, the mighty, and the awesome God, who does not show partiality nor take a bribe. He executes what? How many times have we heard that word the past few weeks? He's the God of justice. 
His rule, His reign. He executes justice for the orphan and the widow and shows His love for the alien by giving him food and clothing. Guys, we're living right smack dab in the middle of verse 18. Right now, today, they're hurting orphans. There are widows. The aliens there you could put in. Sojourner, stranger, immigrant, refugee. Same root word. So, verse 19. So, show your love for the alien. For you are aliens in the land of Egypt. You shall fear the Lord your God. You shall serve him and cling to him. And you shall swear by his name. He is your praise and he is your God. Who has done these great and awesome things for which your eyes have seen? Go to Matthew chapter 5. So here God has initiated from way back. Fear me. Walk in my ways. Love me. Serve me. Keep my commandments. Then I want to encourage you with a very familiar passage again. Just as, Again, guys, these are just some reminders. We're two and a half weeks out. Sorry, kids, from school, right? About two and a half weeks from school kicking back in. And guys, again, as a and I'm my position as pastor, and I'm here every day. It's like, I know what happens when, that, when those moments comes. We re-engage, right? Schedule change. There's a shift in our life. And things can kind of get back in this certain mode where our position to encourage and to want to wave the flag, we cannot become numb to this, to what we've seen, to what we've heard. And it can be very simple to get back into the normal mode of life of school, work, sports, school, work, sports, or this or that or whatever we do. And lose sight of a hurting and desperate world that is dying. Here's the thing. Every red mark you saw up there, what does that represent? Lives where? Let's just remember, most of those little dots in those nations we saw were terror attacks and people what? Lost their lives. If not by the dozens, by the hundreds. And most of those nations, not all, were nations where there are other ideologies, false religions, false gospels, and people were killed for, again, what Satan wants to do. Have someone not come to saving faith in Jesus Christ, we're going to take as many out as possible. So our hearts should be moved in such a way, knowing every one of those red dots up there were people who are now in hell. That's the reality. That's what should move us and put something on us in a way of going, God, what is our part? What do we do? And it starts with what we did this morning, and that's prayer on our knees. And I'm so glad Robbie's bringing some other things. And as you guys all know, circumstances, 9-11 allowed this nation to get on its knees more than it ever had. You guys realize that? I was a part of a church at that time. We had never seen, and I've been a part of churches like most of you my whole life, and I've never seen the body of Christ come together and get on their face. But a tragedy caused that. It, it, was, it moved us that way. We were compelled. So us finding a senior pastor did what? It compelled us and moved us to what? Hear our God. Get on our face. Seek him. But my heart, as a pastor, at least, is why do we wait for those moments? We should say, Lord, you're God regardless. There's things we need to come before you and bring before you. And this is how it's walked out, this kingdom living, and let's seek you first. Matthew chapter 5. Every time you see the word blessed in this, it literally means how happy are you. Literally, in my little thing above, it just says the picture of kingdom life. My little thing in my Bible. But every time you see blessed, I want you to think this is how... We as Christians should respond if we operate in this way and behave kingdom and live kingdom. Jesus saying how happy you should be if this is how you live. So in verse 3, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who are hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be what? Satisfied. 
He will satisfy. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Key verse in 11. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you. Why? Because of me. For someone to insult you, to persecute you, for the sake of Jesus' name, you have to what? Engage with people. Encouragement, just a reaffirmation. We have to engage to the point where we could even possibly be insulted or even possibly be persecuted, which means we get dirty with folks. We get in people's lives. We get involved with issues and stuff that come against God's word. We live kingdom and allow an opportunity for us to be hope and life to people through the truth of God's word to allow that opportunity. Verse 12, rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven if you go through that is great. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets before you. Again, very familiar passage. Here we are. You are salt of the earth. But if the salts become tasteless, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Tim Keller calls that city. He had a study called the alternate city. A gospel speaking, neighbor loving, community transformed. That's what we are. We are an alternate city. When people see us, that's what they should see. Nor does anyone in verse 15 light a lamp and put it under a basket, but put it on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. You are salt. You are light. You've been called to be a city set on a hill that stands out. You know that's literally what it means. When they see you, there's something different. It's, you're set apart. You're an alternate look, and Jesus should be preeminent in what people see. One more passage. Go to Romans chapter 12. And again, what my heart for you this morning is, guys, Jan brought up in her prayer, and it just really stood out, and it's so true. There's people she knows or people that we know that are shaken. Some of them, as believers, are seeking for answers. They're living in fear. They're struggling with their fear. I struggle in fear. I look at some of this stuff, and I have questions. But guess what, guys? We do have the answer. We do. We have the answer. His name is Jesus, but he reveals who he is and how he through his word. If somebody says at your work or whatever, what's going on? What is your thoughts on this? Whatever you say. Let's talk. Let's get in here. Let me show you how we respond to this and how we approach these awful tragedies. This is grieving. I've been crying the past two weeks when you see things like this. And then what happens in Turkey? Turkish people killing Turkish people. Over 200 dead over a coup. And we're still grieving over Nice. What happened in France? And here's nation killing each other over a governmental structure and over religion ideologies and all those type of things. Over 250 people dead, and they're killing each other. It's not even, quote-unquote, some outside source. It's themselves. And guys, again, that's what the enemy does. We have to look at this through the right lenses. We have to see kingdom in this fully. Romans chapter 12. And again, this is a very familiar passage, but again, how we respond in kingdom life, how we respond in this society, what we've been called to, what is required of us. 
In verse 9, let love be without hypocrisy, abhor what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in brotherly love, give preference to one another in honor. Remember, every one another means there's another person involved, guys. We've got to be that, to reach out, to be proactive right now. Verse 11, not lagging behind in diligence, fervence, and spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, persevering in tribulation. Big three words, devoted to what? Devoted to what? Key. We've got to intercede and be on our faces. We've got to be devoted to prayer. I don't know what's going to come out of this with the new guy coming on, but I think there's a momentum, and I think the pastoral search committee can get this. But there's going to be some momentum going into the fall in regards to prayer in this body. Please come be a part of that. I love it because little by little, the group's growing. <laughs> Y'all said today was a great group in there. A little bit more. It's kind of bubbling out. Please see how important this is for us right now to be on our face before the Lord because he's the answer. Verse 13, contributing to the needs of the saints, practicing hospitality. Guys, I just want to go practical. The Lord, as I was reading even this morning, going... Very simple, you guys. One way we can be salt and light and reach out, people that we know at work, fellow teenagers or different things, have people over. Can you all want to come over for dinner if somebody is struggling? Let's sit down at the table and ask the question, what are you struggling with the past few weeks after all this has been going on? How do you perceive this? What do you feel in your heart? Are you struggling with anything as you see what's going on in the world? Have dialogue. Because what, what is that going to open up? Opportunities for what? The gospel? For hope? For peace? To bring truth? If you guys have some unbelievers at your work or family or anybody that's struggling in fear, this is a perfect, perfect opportunity that God has given you a silver platter without having to break out the Romans road or the four spiritual laws. If you're struggling in fear on how to share your faith or even talk to somebody to say very simply, man, I've been struggling the past few weeks with what's going on. What are your thoughts on it? You know, how have you kind of seen some of this evangelism opportunity? Because they're going to look to you and go, what? I don't know. I'm, I'm fearful. I'm struggling. I mean, I know you. I hope I, they know you're a Christian. What do you think? Boom. Let me show you the answer. Let me let you know who he is. Guys, this is really what this is about. Y'all realize this is the main thing being the main thing of us reaching people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And despite these horrible things, and we need to grieve and pray for these people and families and hurt with them. As we just said, rejoice when you rejoice. Weep with those who weep. There's an opportunity here, as I'm about to read that. Verse 14. Bless those who persecute you. And everyone said, (laughs) just kidding. That's a tough one. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not be haughty in mind, but associate with the lowly. Do not be wise in your own estimation. Never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Respect what is right in the sight of all men. If possible, so far as it depends on you, Be at peace with all men. Never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repeat, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, you give him drink. For in doing you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Guys, this is the truth you can bring. These are foundational behavioral things that every one of us struggle with. People that come against us, speak against us, looking at the world, looking at what's happening in our nation. The truth is here for us to be able to respond accordingly. And very simply, Micah reiterates at the prophet. He reiterates what happens in Deuteronomy when he's speaking to the nation of Israel again. And very simply, we said, what does the Lord require of you? 
to act what? Justly. To love what? Mercy. And to walk humbly with your God. What's the key word in the last phrase? Walk humbly with. God, as we're walking with Him in intimacy, in the Word, in prayer, with Him in this, everything starts to be flowing out of the Spirit. We are led easily. We are hearing His voice. We are being led by His Word as we're walking with Him to allow people the opportunity to know Him and to hear Him. A few years ago, Alan had these four questions that he put forth years ago that came out of some study he did. And I really want you all to hear these. And again, my heart for you guys is really from this point on, again, urgency. Seek the Lord. Ask Him. We have opportunities this week with what's going on to have dialogues in the kingdom. Kingdom dialogues. These are questions of life that any worldview must answer. And he's used this. We've used it for evangelism. But question number one, and you can talk to me afterwards if you want to get these. So simply put in questions, where do we come from? Why are we here? And in that, who is man? What is the role of man? Key questions three and four. If you engage with somebody this week... Questions come up about life and what's this going on in the world and all this turmoil and struggle and pain and fear and desperation. Question number three is, what's the problem with the human condition? You don't think people have probably have some answers about that from their own heart or questioning it? What's the problem with the human condition? Question four, what's the solution to that problem? Think about the conversation you could have, even with Christians. <laughs> I mean, struggling Christians. And then lastly, where are we all going? After all this is answered. So these three have, these has to do with our origin, our purpose, and our destiny. So these questions, guys, would just bring in dialogue and lead to a conversation that Jesus can be at the center. And guys, that is what we're here for. That's why we come in this morning, be encouraged and exalted the Lord. And um, these past messages, past few weeks about hope and the prodigal son and Greg bringing it for us to be set free and delivered from our sin. For what purpose? To be able to be salt and light effectively. To be able to be ambassadors and reach people with the gospel. And if you can't see right now, as sad as all this is, that we have an opportunity for such a time as this to step forth as the light of the world and as people of purpose and hope, then we're missing it. We've got to take advantage of this opportunity, despite what the enemy may be doing, to be able to come in with that voice of hope, that voice of peace, that voice of purpose for people. And I know every one of us in here, many in here, I've been shaken. I'm struggling with something. I'm taking this before the Lord. But I'm asking God, connect me with people. Bring up conversations. If it's family members, if it's people I see at Starbucks, if it's just some encounter that's out of the blue, that overhear a conversation going on, that I can kind of step in and bring some truth. Those are the things, guys, we have to be attentive. Ask the Holy Spirit to give us the antennas we need to be sensitive and discern those moments. And for you teenagers and college students, oh, my goodness. That's the topic of conversations in two, three weeks. Man, can you believe what's going on this summer? Can you believe everything that's taking place? You can show them the map and literally just say, what do you guys think about this? What have you been and some of them may go, you know what? I didn't know that was going on. And that's sad too. Seriously, some people are probably just out of pocket. Guys, as Christians, as kingdom people, we can't be out of pocket. We have to be engaged. You need to know the news. I know we try to hide things from our kids in this, but no one else is going to be praying for this. No one else is going to be storming and doing spiritual warfare and coming against the act of the enemy except us. We're it. We have got to be the people 
citizens of the kingdom of God who are the ones watching the news, who are asking the Lord what to pray for. How do we engage spiritually? What conversations do we have? Do we have a prayer group? You guys could pop up prayer groups all over town. Hey, three or four couples come to our house, such and such and that. We're just going to intercede, see what God says. No agenda but to seek the Lord. That's what we need to be start doing. That's kingdom life because of what we just saw. We cannot live in isolation. We cannot hide. It's not biblical. If anyone should be on the front lines and the forefront, it's us. Because we have the answer. And it's a person. And his name is Jesus. And that's what the hope we get to bring. Amen? So please be encouraged this morning. I hope you get energized. Be confident in your faith. Be confident in your own testimony. What Jesus has done in and through your life. And if you don't know Jesus today, he's here. Come. I'll pray with you. We'll talk. He wants to meet with you. He wants to reveal himself to you. He's ready to do that and to save you. So worship team comes forward.